Thanks. Thank you, guys. It's an absolute honour to open God's word. Jason and um, Jamie, congratulations, guys. Huge journey, huge journey, and congratulations on not only getting to the end but to the start. Bless you, guys. Bless you. I just want to share um, a story in the Old Testament. I don't always um, preach on the Old Testament, but I've had this story in my heart for a few weeks for you guys on a Thursday night, and when um, when I was asked to preach tonight, I just knew exactly what God had given me. And um, I won't read the whole lot. It's uh, in Second Samuel chapter 9 if you want to have a look at it later on. But I'll just read the first few verses to get you in the picture. Thank you, darling. Okay, so we're talking about, this is King David tonight. One day, David asked, thank you. Is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? He summoned a man named Ziba who had been one of Saul's servants. Are you Ziba? The king asked. Yes, sir, I am, Ziba replied. The king then asked him, Is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to him. Ziba replied, Yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive. He is crippled in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. In Lodubar, Ziba said, at the home of Micah. So David sent for him and brought him to him. That's all we'll read just for a sec. Just to put you in the picture in case you don't know uh, the Old Testament story. Some of them are a bit hard to understand. But this is the same David who wrote the 23rd Psalm. The same David who became king of Israel. And at this stage he is king. But he's had a checkered road to being king. A very checkered road. He was anointed. You remember David and Goliath? When he was only a teenager he was anointed to be king. But it took many years because King Saul was king. Now he started out a good king, ended up not a good king. And he ended up being jealous and absolutely hating David. And he chased David right across the desert, uphill, down dale, in caves, out of caves, and tried his best to murder him. He was absolutely just besotted with trying to get rid of him. That's how jealous he was. He hated David, resented him. He was bitter, he was angry, and he just would never, ever give him a place. He chased him and chased him. Now, at this time in the history, King Saul actually died and he actually fell on his own sword because he couldn't live with himself in the end. That's what shame and fear and guilt does to you if you don't deal with it. But also, the other part we need to understand is that Saul had a son called Jonathan. And Jonathan and King David had become best friends. And I mean best friends. They actually swore an oath to each other that they would be friends for the rest of their lives. Now, how hard is that when your father is King Saul and hates your best friend and chases him all over the countryside? How hard is that? And I take my hat off to Jonathan for just putting friendship 
before hatred. Jonathan was David's friend to the end. Now Jonathan has been killed in battle as well. And so here is King David. That's the context we're in. King David says, is there anyone in Saul's family left that I can show kindness to? Are you getting this? King Saul hated David, chased him for years and tried to kill him time after time after time. And David now is king and saying, is there someone in Saul's family that I can show kindness to? How do you do that? How do you do that when you've been treated that way all those years? Because friendship was more important to David than hatred. And his friendship with Saul's son, Jonathan, gave him the love in his heart to be kind to anyone else in Saul's family. That's the background. Now, the story goes there is a son left. And his name is, I'm going to try and say it a hundred times, so I'm going, to, I'm going to shorten it, but his name is Mephibosheth. Okay? We are now calling him Mep. Okay? I am not saying that again. <laughs> I got away with it just maybe. Now, he is the only son that's left of Saul's family. You might have picked up that he lived in Lodibar. I want you to remember that. Okay? Mep lives in Lodibar. Emphasis on the low. Okay? Lodibar. Now, I'm going to go back. To two verses. You might remember that this map was crippled. Do you remember that in that reading? Probably not. This is how it happened. Saul's son Jonathan had a son named Mep who was crippled as a child. He was five years old when the report came from Jezreel that Saul and Jonathan had been killed in battle. When the child's nurse heard the news, she picked him up and fled. But as she hurried away, she dropped him and he became crippled. That is why Saul's son, Mep, who lives in Lodibar, was crippled in both feet. He was dropped at five years of age. So King David calls for Mep to come to him. And David says this to him. Don't be afraid. I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will eat here with me at the king's table. Isn't that amazing? Now I want you to listen to Mep's reply. Mep bowed respectfully and exclaimed, who is your servant that you should show such kindness to a dead dog like me? Are you getting the picture of Mep's life? He lives in Lodibar. And when King David offers him a brand new life 
with everything provided in his own family. He says, why would you care about me, a dead dog? I'm sure I'm not the only one in this room who has felt like a dead dog in their life. I'm sure many of you can identify with what that feels like. No hope. No hope. Nowhere to turn. No self-esteem. No one to believe in you. No one to pick you up. Because you're different. Remember, he was crippled in both feet. And in that society, in that culture, in that age, he was nothing. At least today, having a disability is no big deal, is it? They're a person who we love. But back then, they were scum. Thrown out, literally, from the city on the trash heap. And so this man had grown up living now in Lodi Bar, absolutely feeling like a dead dog and not deserving of kindness because he had believed what everyone had said to him. He had believed how everyone had treated him and his self-esteem was zero. Let's have a talk for a moment about what that means to be crippled. For Mep, Cripple meant his feet didn't work. But we can be crippled in so many other ways, can't we? We can be crippled financially. We can be crippled emotionally. Where we just can't deal with the stuff that's happening inside us. And we don't know what to do with it. We don't know what to deal, how to deal with all the stuff that builds up inside us. And just spews out of us. We can be crippled spiritually. Having no hope of salvation. Or a new life. Or forgiveness. We can be crippled in so many ways. About 20 years ago, I was crippled with depression. My depression is clinical. And at the time it hit me, my kids were very young. My husband was planting a church in another town. I was in a town of a mining town with no family and no friends. And I hit rock bottom like I've never hit it before in my life. And so when I hear Mep say, who are you that you should treat, that you should show kindness to a dead dog, I know what that feels like. For three years, I felt like a dead dog. I couldn't operate. I couldn't function. All I had was darkness and anger. And if it wasn't for a loving husband and father, I don't know where my kids and I would be today. Living in Lodibar. How many of us have lived in Lodibar? When you are crippled, it stumbles you. It trips you up. It stops you living and it stops you moving forwards. How do you get hope when you're that far down? How? 
It's impossible by yourself. It's impossible. But we have sung tonight about a God who is an author of salvation, an author of rescue. And God used someone to come into my life to speak to me and to help me to find the light again. So I too stand before you this, this afternoon, this evening, as someone who has or is in recovery. I live with it every day of my life. But now, I don't need the how. Because I live in hope. And you know the difference? I found the author not only of salvation, but I found the author of love. You see, that's the difference in King David's life than Saul's. Saul was consumed with hatred. And David, when you read something like the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need, David was consumed with love for God. Even though he tripped up and did some wrong things, which one day we might talk about, he still had in his heart a depth of love for God that he wanted to be God's person so much that in the eyes of hatred, he wouldn't respond or react. Thank you. He wouldn't respond. In a minute. He wouldn't respond or react. Thank you. Maybe... Paula will do that. Thank you. <laughs> he wouldn't respond or react to that hatred. He would respond with kindness. And so he finds Map, brings him out of Lodibar with his crippled feet and says, I want you to sit at my table. I want you to eat at my table. I'm the king. I want you to sit at my table. And the greatest thing about that story is that if David knew the author of love, so can we. Because that story reminds me of how God treats us. All of us, as we talked about last week, all of us can be crippled spiritually with guilt and shame and fear. We can be crippled emotionally, as we've talked about. We can be crippled physically, as Met was. We, be, we can be crippled because of what we've allowed into our lives. But when the author of love comes into our lives, you know what? He doesn't see any of that. He sees a person that Jesus died for. He sees a person he created. He sees someone who is beautiful. And he sees someone he loves. And that is why I love this story so much. Because the author of love changes conquers, is victorious over any bit of evil or hatred or unkindness or evil in this world back then and today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The author of love. That's who we need to allow into our lives so that we don't let the stuff that's in our lives cripple us. We get it dealt with like you guys are doing. I take my hat off to you you have the guts to deal with the stuff that's been crippling you. 
we all take a lesson, ought to take a lesson from you guys. That you guys can go free, wrapped in the love of God. And we can too, if we will just give our crippledness to him and allow the author of love to love us instead of the hatred that we allow into our lives, whether it's hating ourselves or by what someone else has said to us. So tonight as the team comes, they sing some beautiful words about healing. Maybe someone tonight is living in Bar. Maybe someone tonight has is, is just got so crippled up that they can't move up or down or sideways and they don't know where to look. And this big how is what consumes their life. That how can last a lifetime for some people. But I, I want to tell you the how. The how is God. Author of salvation. Author of love. Author of new creations. Tonight as the band plays, Place of Prayer is here. If it helps anyone tonight to get up out of your seat and leave Lodi Bar behind and come to the King's table, God himself, and let him love you well.